Before I get started with my message today, I just wanted to introduce myself. Um, I know most of you probably know who I am, but if you don't, my name is Mary Mac Decker, and I know I probably have the coolest name you've ever heard. Shout out to my parents for that one. Um, I have grown up in this church. My family moved to Georgetown in 2010 as a result of my father being stationed in Fort Hood in Colleen. He attended a Sunday school class and announced to us that FPC was the place for us without consulting anyone. Sure enough, we were there on Sunday and have been since. I've been taught by Sunday school legends like Miss Graham and Mr. Wenzel, starred in the Logos musicals under the direction of Miss Tricia, played intense games of grog at in-town mission as a youth, worked as a VBS crew leader every summer, and stepped in as a liturgist every now and then. To say I'm involved in this church would be an understatement. In the Sunday school, we've been talking a lot about my generation, Gen Z, and how the number of people my age involved in a traditional church or just simply identifying as Christian, have drastically declined, which is why I'm truly lucky enough to have a church family that encourages questions and walks with me through my faith journey as I build my foundation in the Lord, something I think a lot of people my age may not have, which is what I would like to focus my message on today. We all grew up with that one VeggieTales CD that had the catchy song about the wise man building his house on the rock and the foolish man building his on the sand and the rains coming down and the floods coming up Build your foundation on the Lord, and you won't be shaken by the storms of life. Easy enough to interpret, right? Especially compared to the rest of Matthew chapter 7. This is the last of three chapters recording Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's painting this beautiful picture of a God, a caring and generous Father that is above all and desires a relationship with his children, as well as not to punish them, but to give to them. All they must do is ask. Jesus describes the path a believer walks in verses 13 and 14, and it is not easy or wide. It is narrow and untrodden, suggesting that the path to life is one you must decide for yourself. You are the only one to fit through the path. Nothing else may come with you. He gives depiction of just about everything that prevents us from entering this narrow gate to the path of life, such as things to outwardly avoid, like false prophets and false disciples, as well as sins to inwardly avoid, such as judging others. The entire chapter is scary, full of rules that could determine the difference between eternal life or death. But embedded in them is the promise of salvation from a loving God, one who does not seek to destroy, but rather bring life to his children whom he loves. Jesus ends the sermon with the parable of the wise and the foolish man. We are told that those who, build the, who practice the teaching of Jesus are the equivalent to a man building his house on a rock. And when the storm came to destroy it, it did not fall. And then there are those who do not heed the word of God and practice his teachings. And they are the equivalent of the foolish man who chooses to build his house on the sand. And when the storm came to him, his house was destroyed with not just a crash, but a great one. If you've ever been skiing, you know what it's like to be going strong, getting the hang of it, finally feeling confident, only to have your board or your ski catch the edge of the snow or hit a patch of ice and just go flying. Your poles, your goggles, the board, the skis, all in different directions. You hit the mountain so hard you can't even tell where you are. They call it a yard sale. And it does look pretty ridiculous. But that's the exact kind of crash Jesus is describing here. It's hard to get back up after something like that. So we have a man who represents those who practice Jesus' teachings, who builds his life on them and has a solid understanding and belief in in the word to bear the storms of the world with. And then you have the foolish man, who represents ignorance of Jesus' teaching, 
who builds his life on the shifting sand of worldly things to support himself and falls with a great crash in the presence of the storm. Two possible outcomes, two destinies, stand strong or face destruction. I think my biggest question reading this was how do we keep the strong foundation of our life in Jesus instead of trading it for the things of this world? Growing up in the church, you learn pretty fast it seems the world is advertising foundations of sand. There's always something new to fill your life, build your life on. The immense pressure to know your place and fit in there seems to crumble the original stone, leaving the dusty sand as the only option. Maybe it's because we're young, or maybe it's the way I grew up personally, but the way I have seen it present, most kids I grew up with were forced to go to church. But it was a shared burden. It's not all bad. It's popular because everyone does. Everyone wants to be in the youth group that has the good snacks and the fun games you can invite your friends to. Most kids have that sort of foundation in the church. But as we got older, church became more of an option instead of a requirement. Why would anyone stay somewhere they don't want to be? You see other people building in the sand. Those girls I was friends with in elementary school have excuses on Wednesday nights, no longer promoting Bible verses on Instagram, spending more time making ourselves into what other people want from us, and most of the time, a strong foundation in the Lord isn't exactly what they're looking for. I think of the beach when I think of the sand. It's much more fun, and things are built up so much easier. I'm sure you've built a sandcastle. It doesn't take more than a few scoops and pats to have an entire village built. It's so much faster to prop yourself up on something simple. When you have this complex rock that takes time to find the right grooves, not to mention get up on the rock in the first place, you lose a lot of interest, especially considering the idea that you have to base your foundation in faith alone. If you notice, Jesus makes no description of the houses. We can only assume they look the same. You can't see a difference until you examine the foundation. And the foundation, foundation is tested in the presence of the storm. Some storms have warning, while others do not. Sometimes it's just a little rain to keep you from being able to see out the window. And sometimes it's this hurricane of hurt and pain with no end in sight. And these things will be on you. They will crack your foundation. I'm willing to bet that there were some cracks in that foundation of stone. I'm sure that wind was no joke. I'm sure rain found its way into that rock and split it a little bit. That's what the storms of the world do. But even with these cracks, these holes they make, when the sun comes out when it's over, and it truly always does, the reality is that the rock is too strong to be broken by any storm. The cracks can't go all the way through and crumble something built by God to last. I encourage you to look at your life and examine what you are building it upon. Are you doing your best to stay true to your foundation? Or is it something you find yourself relying on when the storms do weigh on you? Have you found a foundation in the Lord? Having a foundation in the Lord is not something you should want because it serves as a protection against bad things, because it does not. Your life is not any easier when you build it on God, and I would almost call it harder. But upon a strong foundation, God can build his calling for you. And personally, I have only been recently enlightened of mine. I have always believed in God, and it is something I have never doubted. I have always felt comforted by the fact that I was watched over and loved by God as far as I strayed, and felt he had a place for me on this earth. I've seen people weighed down by horrible things and wonder how they do it. I do not think I carry a heavy burden in this world. My darkest walks of life cannot hold a candle to their hurt and pain. I do not say this because I think God wanted my life to be easier than anyone else's, 
nor because he loved me more. I always thought it was because he thought I was too weak to carry anything truly heavy. I've recently discovered that this was not his intention. He has given me this heart full of care and understanding, not for myself, but for others. He lightened my load to help others carry theirs. It scared me at first, but I have come to realize that this is my greatest strength, and I have no fear stepping into it. There is no greater gift on earth than feeling loved, being seen and heard, and knowing someone is there for you, however you may need. Lord knows I fell short yesterday, that I have today, and I will tomorrow, but it is not by our own doing that we are saved, nor by someone else's. It is by his grace we are saved. It was God who showed us love and Jesus who taught us how to love. And that is the foundation of this church. And I can only hope to build mine upon a love like that, too. Amen.